0: Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc, this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So today I jumped out of bed with a spring in my step because I knew I had a great day ahead of recording amazing podcasts with superb guests. Today's guest is a real legend in the beer and retail industry already, a superb Scotsman, and also has his finger in a few pies that really could be billion-dollar ideas. I'm talking about James Brown, or JB, as he's known to lots and lots of people from BrewDog, and also the co-founder of TipJar. Obviously, you know all about BrewDog, the pubs, the legendary branding, the attitude, the owners, the team, the cult status of their followers and investors, and also the amazing bar group that it's become. But what you might not know is about Tip Jar, where you can basically tip people through your phone when you're out and about eating and drinking out to show the staff and the team members that you really care and you really want to give thanks for everything that they do every single day. Talking to JB is always inspiring. He's got a great view on how things might change, when we're out of the other end of the worldwide infection. And then on top of that, how you can just build great teams, great culture and great brands running at 1,000 miles per hour every single day. So it gives me the most punk pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, a really good friend, a Glasgow boy and... All round retail genius, Mister James Brown. Hello. So I guess um, we'll get C word stuff out the way and, and and have a wee chat about that, and then move on to brighter things. But I guess you know we're in week three, I think it might be of sort of lockdown, and I guess you've got two hats on um in in lots of ways with um, both the brew dog activity and what you're doing to stay connected with customers and do the right thing and also giving back to the community and then on top of that you've got some really great hospitality supportive stuff going on with tip jar as well so it might be worth kind of talking about the now now and then we can leapfrog that and talk about greater things yeah
1: i think it's uh, in terms of the reaction and, and how we've managed that and stayed connected in, in the world of Brewdog to customers is that our teams are just so connected to our customers through our equity punks anyway and, and the amount of regulars we have in our business that um they've stayed really connected on socials we tried to do delivery um really well at the start we did a drive-through campaign um, but in reality we realized it was better for our teams uh, and better for um for everyone if, if we just shut the doors um, like a lot of our, our competitors and, and industry peers did as well. So. What's
0: the type of things that you're you're doing then? Because I, I actually did a wee LinkedIn post just as a shout out to you and it's probably one of my most viewed posts I've ever done where yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I did a long laundry list of, of all the things that you were doing and I even saw Big James I suppose as I'd call him um, doing his his laminated uh, face <laughs> mask <laughs> thing last night. So I mean, it's just incredible the agility and the, you know, output that's going on across all, you know, sort of angles. You know, it's quite amazing.
1: Yeah, I think that um, quite a few people have said that to me and, I, and I've had to be really honest with them and say that I think that some of our best work has come when the writing's been on the wall and I think that doesn't matter how big or small or a business you are, um, this was like, a game-changing thing to happen to you, and I think that for BrewDog, um, especially before the government support with the furlough scheme, um, we were looking at a really bleak picture, and the survival of our company was was on the line. Um, and I suppose in great businesses, and uh, when that happens, and with with loads of great talent around, people start to really, really work. You know, and I think it's a bit like I call I called it like a the night before your A level exams when you, you actually oh God, I've got I've actually got to start revising now and um, I think that um, some of our best work was done um, on the cuff and um, we've been having like two or three direct level meetings every day um, and we've been making really quick decisions and um, we've got we had a really agile team and really creative team that worked on some of these things so we talked about drive through and, and turning all our bars into drive through, which including in Australia we, we turned we, we did like a like a boat pickup service, so we're we're on the river wow. in Australia, in Brisbane. So we did cool videos around that. We did um, obviously the big the big play we did is we we realized quite quickly that we could produce hand sanitizer, and uh, we had um we had the right equipment, and the right expertise to do that. Um, and I think that many businesses potentially would would try and do things perfectly and and wait and, and get things aligned, whereas. The culture of BrewDog is that let's just get this done. And like what, like like we people always talk about can if, and we have that. We we genuinely have that in the business. Um, Mm. And with the hand sanitizer, there was loads of barriers. Like, well, we can't get any aloe vera because there's none available, and and we just managed to get it. We um, we couldn't get any packaging, so we couldn't get any of the pump act the little plastic packaging for it. So we just found other packaging, and I think you'll see in James's post, but we actually just put it in beer bottles in the end because we knew that making it and getting it out there people could refill their, their current plastic packaging so we just did what it took and I think that in total we maybe had like five or six different versions of that packaging um, go out and some of it being the perfect what you'd see in the supermarket with like a plastic and a little a little pump um but in other bits being in tiny beer bottles some of it being in in like kind of you know, big big milk style jugs um but yeah we, we did what we could to, to make it work I think it's a genuine commitment from I suppose from the team that we want to help both our, our staff and the communities that we serve on a daily basis. And um we think that's helped us connect really well with our with our customers.
0: Well it, it, it has for sure. And I think, you know, people have seen that, you know, you're you're going above and beyond, you're doing your best. You know, I think James has been devastating on uh, news. You know, I've watched his, his interviews, right? And I've never seen someone so slick in getting the messages across. Like, he had this one on Sky News, I think it was, or maybe it was CNBC or whatever it was. Yes,
1: CNBC was a big
0: one, wasn't it? Jesus, he just, like, there was not a millisecond wasted. And it wasn't, like... You know, overselling, or you know, it was just like pitched perfectly, and he couldn't have packed any more into that time yeah. that was on message. You know, it was it was pretty special. I so think I the, guess key,
1: you, the key thing for us, and that was like, I think we just really wanted to be really honest and say, listen. In particularly with brewdog and, and the way I've kind of looked at it in the last kind of three weeks, is that we spent like four or five years trying to like look after our team really well, um, and um, pay them a living wage and give them bonuses and profit shares. But in reality, um, this whole situation leveled everybody in the industry and it was no longer the employer you wanted to be. It was the employer you can be. And I think James kind of standing up there and saying, listen, we lost 70% of our revenue. We shot over 100 bars around the world. Um, and um, we um, we had two main missions. One is the survival of the company and, and and that was a genuine survival. I think that drove a lot of the innovation and a lot of, lot of speed and to, to pace of delivery. Um, and two is the, the main to maintain the amount of staff and, and, and save as many jobs as we humanly could. Um, and I think that, that that's ultimately what, what drove a lot of the activity.
0: And what about the online pub thing? Mm-hmm. How's, yeah. how, how does it work? How is that being managed? You know, because I see a lot of people trying it, but yeah. yours seems to be the one that looked most pro, but I'm, I'm not sure how it's working yet. I've well, not been lucky enough to get in. <laughs> it's funny,
1: like um, like Brudog, it, It's funny the word Brewdog because we don't actually ever see any each other if, very much because we're always on the road or doing something. So we occasionally see each other when we open bars, and um, so we actually our, our entire business is run off Zoom, and it has been for about four years. Um, oh. So we probably see ourselves like pro Zoomers, and then we immediately realised um, we we had the skills and like even I suppose the most junior members of the team, even our managers. We speak to managers on Zoom all the time. It's like it's our main communication tool. Um, to speak to people, um, much more than phone call or even text or WhatsApp, so we, we Zoom like every day. Um, so I think that we we powered the, the virtual pub by Zoom, um, and we've it's a really cool system actually in in terms of Zoom. And we have like, I think we had over a thousand people in the first one, um, and mm-hmm. um, we were oversubscribed for the second one. And we we knew that we had some great contacts out there to, to do to host it. Um, we had um, we had some cool bands um, play. We've got the staff and participating so we've got a guy called paddy in our team who's like one of the, the most educated beer people in the world and he's doing beer tastings and yeah he's like we've got we've got so, so much activity to to kind of stick on there and then um, we do quizzes and there's like some some customers are dressed up and it's it's a really quite nice global event actually because we've got some of our shareholders from pittsburgh were on last week it's really good to see see people from around the world connecting and um some people have like competitions on on what best what who's got the best merch, like BrewDog merch and the oldest, uh, most retro T shirts to kind of to sell their credibility, you know. So it's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, I mean I I think just I uh, thank you as well. I think you're just doing so much great stuff and you know, and then you're having a bit of fun as well with the the lockdown lagger and, and, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um I saw the the cheeky shot of the the cover up of the the man's yeah. private um in the shower this morning. So Um, You know, I think it's important as well that people don't just get lost in the, you know, and this will be going out hopefully later on. But I think too many people are getting lost in the, the now and they're not thinking about further on or business as usual or having a bit of fun. And I think, you know, the smarter brands are doing both. You know, they're doing something helpful for now, but they're also planning the biggest relaunch that you've ever seen. So I think that's really exciting, you know.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the sh- the Sherry beer thing was quite funny because um, I think it was Dave and our machine control suggested that to kick it off that we should all do the picture ourselves as a bit of a joke, and I don't think anyone really wanted to do do a selfie <laughs> with a beer, but yeah, so um, but, uh, it's good fun, and I think um, I think at these times customers need a bit of fun and a, a bit of a bit of humour, and this is right at the same time, business is doing the right thing. So I feel like we've got the balance um, so far. Right, and we've got a few more things up our sleeves in terms of what we want to do for relaunch. You said, and um, I suppose, um, yeah, closing all these bars at once seemed like a big task. But then, when you actually start to get your head around reopening them, it's it's probably it's probably a much much bigger task. So um, uh, yeah, and I think that one of the things that we haven't done much publicity about is it, is is how we engage our staff um, while while they're off, and then um, obviously the furlough scheme and and all the work done by UK government, and um, we we were. We're kind of super grateful for that, and and, and it definitely helped save our business, and um, um, we're really, really grateful. Um, I think that whilst our staff are off, we've been kind of really, like, we've we've sent them beer. We're organising beer tastings with like loads of like famous beer people in the world in terms of like great great beer sommeliers around the world. Um, we've got gigs. We've got um, so we've got musicians and bands playing to them over over Zoom got loads of cool stuff planned and we've got virtual staff drinks and quiz this thursday night so one of our teams hosting a virtual virtual staff quiz on zoom on the thursday night so um, i think as well as connecting to your community it's really important that you keep your staff um, updated on what's going on and, and how the business is doing but also kind of making sure they, they talk to each other and look after each other because um, the one unique thing about hospitality people going on to furlough is that these people are so used to being in vibrant, busy environments, dealing with staff and, and high-paced situations. It's, it's, it's a big shock for those guys to go back back to nothing. I think that, in reality, quite a few of them needed a rest and needed to slow down. I think it's been a great opportunity for that. But getting into week three, we need to be careful that we, we make sure everyone stays connected and looked after and speaking to each other. So a um, big, big focus for us in our business.
0: You're absolutely right. Keeping your customers engaged Doing good and then keeping your staff engaged because um I was I was on with Robin Rowland the other other day there and he my old well boss at Yosushi and he was saying, you know, the brands that are gonna survive this are the ones that have have done you know three things really well. You know, they've actually done something now, they've they've made their customers feel engaged. Because at the moment there's not many brands doing brilliant stuff to engage their customers, right? You know, I think a lot of people are now, it's kind of funny how the the, the flock all goes together, you know, where it's like, um, right, we're, we're, we're doing delivery and we'll celebrate that and we'll talk about that and, you know, the, the phasing. Oh, here's a recipe. You know, so everyone's chucking up recipes. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, well, what else? You know, and, and not that I'm saying it's a bad thing. Some of the recipes are amazing, but it's just like, well, what else is there? And how could you have a, Joe Wicks moment for your brand, you know what also, could you yeah. do that really taps into the imagination of of everyone? So, um be good to to see how everyone handles that. But then the other trouble is, so many brands have followed. You know, people that be responsible for that. So it's it's a tough one. And then That's what true. about Tipperary? What you know, I, I saw this morning, this very morning, um you've been doing a furlough calculator and and things like that. So what's going on in the world of TJ? I
1: think that. um I think all the businesses I've, I'm involved in, um, timing-wise, has been super lucky that we can react in a positive way. And, and TipJar is one of those examples whereby um, we just closed around the funding. And, uh, we were we were set, and TipJar is about helping hospitality workers earn more money and, and digitizing the tipping world. Um, and I suppose we had, we we quite quickly realised that for the next three months that. Um, our business might be on hold and, um, and I was really keen to to give back and do something positive for our community and our users um, and our future users um, and I think that the first thing we did was we partnered with um, uh, Hospitality Action who we've been working with in both BrewDog and and in Tipjar for a wee while now um, and we realised that, um, that whether the furlough scheme or help from the government was coming or not this was going to be devastating on an individual basis for millions of people um, around the UK and actually around the world. And we had the opportunity and, and the technology to help. So we kind of, we, we I think it was on the Tuesday, and I think I probably texted you like three in the morning or something because I stayed up overnight <laughs> trying to text as many people yeah, as did. I knew, <laughs> as, as many people as I know <laughs> to try and spread the word. But um, we launched the Hospitality uh, Workers Emergency Fund um, and we raised a, a chunk of money. I think we're just coming up to just over, over 11 grand via um your online tip jar so it was really kind of like a community effort of networking and um, uh, loads of people helped and, and uh, it was really great um, to see that and and, and then this morning and um, we, we announced that um we worked with Rotary Ready, who's like an online scheduling system, to build a furlough calculator. So, so many staff and so many questions online and on Twitter about how the how, the, how it's calculated. And and whilst it is semi simple in terms of guidelines, it is actually also quite complicated if you're if you're a variable verbally paid staff member on an hourly rate and your hours have gone up and down over the period and you've taken a break for university exams or something like that. So um, we, mm-hmm. we pulled together an online calculator for free for, for hospitality workers and, and anyone really. It works with salaries as well to figure out um, what you can get paid and, and how you can plan your finances over that. And then um, it's completely free and anonymous and um, people can, can, can have a go and it's on the Rotary Ready website and on the Tipture website. So.
0: And I think, I think the branding of it is... Quite incredible as well, you know. I think it's really stand out, really modern. Um, so, you know, I think you and you know the guys that you're working with on that, I think they've just done a a splendid job. You know, amazing. Thanks. Well,
1: yeah, really hopeful cool. that um, once this all calms down, we could we can get back to back to the world of, of kind of trying to change the world of tips.
0: Yeah, well, I, I like the way you've just summed that up. You know, we're, we're changing, we're digitizing the, the the tip world. I think that's an amazing. Yeah. An amazing positioning. So yeah, I think that's a a billion dollar idea. So um yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that one. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, Talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. But let's, let's go back a bit. So, um... You know, a lot of people will be saying, "God, I'd give my my left arm, right arm, whatever, um, to be doing what you're doing." Um, you, you you might dispute that at times. I don't know. <laughs>
1: it depends what day, yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, I I think it's just you know trying to let people know where you started, how you went through the ranks, and you know, and how you've got to where you've got to, and you sure. know, also without being patronizing, you know, at a, at a healthy age. Um, That you know, you've you're not even halfway there, you've got a long way to go. So it's gonna be incredible to see what you do, you know, going forward as well. But yeah, if you if you go back a bit and just see, you know, a bit in your background and hospitality intro and all that.
1: I think I meet so many people in in hospitality who never actually planned to be here. And um, I'm one of those people that accidentally fell into it. And I started um, in hospitality at 14 and I lived in the middle of nowhere and Outside of a town called Inverary in in Argyll on the shores of Loch um and at fourteen years old, um, living in the middle of nowhere, you you really wanted to to transport was the was the gold dust and getting around. So, um, I ended up getting a job at fourteen peeling potatoes in a in a chip shop in Inverary, and um, uh, and I did that so I could buy bits for my mountain bike and I could travel and see my friends, and and that's that was my. That was the reason I got into hospitality. I Had a really bad start because at 15 I got made redundant because they got a machine to peel and chop the potatoes for me, so I had to go and get mm-hmm. another job. Quite yeah. Like technology, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So technology. Maybe that's Maybe that's why I'm so into technology now. Um, but yeah, so 15 years old, I'd, I'd, I'd already been chucked out of hospitality industry. But, um, but from then on, it was always, it was always my ambition, and I got in, into cycling in a big way, and, and I, I was one of those guys that bought. Mountain bike magazines and saved up my money and sent off orders, rip, ripping out the back of the magazine and sending off orders via post and, and waiting for a part to come back three weeks later. Um, but yeah, my parents worked for the NHS and they moved to moved to Sheffield when I was uh, yeah sixteen. So um, at that point, uh, I worked in a cafe. Similar story, and then I got my first bar job, and I guess where I really kind of I really got into it and the, the nightlife and the social aspect of it. I worked for mitchell and Butlers mm-hmm. um, at the time, um, so um, like a lot of people, like I meet a lot of people who started at mitchell and Butlers, and it's such a great company. And then um, yeah, at that point, I actually meant went back to Scotland for free university. So thank you for everyone who paid for that. and um, so I went back to I went to do biochemistry at university, and then. Um, um, I uh, fresh as we had Got on a on a, a big double decker bus and I filled in a in a clipboard that said, "Do you want a job?" Um, and I wanted to work in a bar. I knew that it was fun. and I got to meet loads of people, and I ended up getting a job with with G One Group, and I was there for twelve years. And um, I started off as a bartender and. Uh, in the bar called The Social really famous bar in the city center of Glasgow probably one of the busiest yep. bars in Glasgow um, and um, Dave McDowell was the, the training manager at that time so and we just opened this bar so that's 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 how our paths first crossed I was a fresh-faced 18 year old um, full of beans um, ready to want to be a cocktail bartender and learn to fly a bartender and all that stuff and then um so that was a, a great business I, I worked in social and um, it was at the time I was doing like 60 70 grand a week and that was 2004 um so kind of crazy numbers for the prices back in those days and um, then I just loved it and because I loved it so much I worked really hard and um uh, ended up getting promotion to supervisor and then assistant manager and I was I think that through a mixture of hard work and and, and luck I think um I had a bit of a rocket of a of a of a gm who who was at it and i was a deputy at the time and um uh, it was such a big kind of crazy business and it was open from like 8 a.m to 3 a.m it's like a proper proper hybrid all-day dining before all-day dining was a thing um all-day dining and all-day dancing as well um and um yeah i became gm of that site and through g1 it was a great company they gave young people a chance who were hardworking. Um, a great culture in the business um, really entrepreneurial um, got to work with both Dave and Stefan for Stephen King the owner for years had a proper real school entrepreneur apprenticeship directly with Stefan on how to deal with things, how to deal with crises, um, became an area manager um, ended up leaving 12 years after the day I signed up for the on the bus in um, Freshers Week um, as a director ran their marketing team ran the digital uh, in-house digital team in-house graphic studio so i got a real understanding of of, of their and ran their 60 day-to-day operations of their 60 businesses and that was some hotels and like cool hotels the so cool cinemas and um at the time we had a casino so i really got to understand the nuts and bolts of how hospitality p and operations and marketing worked and, and I, I, I genuinely and um, incredibly lucky to work for that organization and and get such a breadth of experience um so yeah i, I loved every minute of it um and uh, it was such a we got to do some incredible projects i'm sure you'll know the corinthian um in the yeah. city center of glasgow um like huge renovation project adding a casino um at the same time running like nightclubs that sell drinks for a pound and in and, and the city centre Glasgow that got a bit rough sometimes so I saw all angles and yeah it was great I really loved every minute of it and I, uh, I knew at that point that hospitality was for me and um, I think when you're at school no one really tells you that hospitality is a career path and it's worked out for me but I hope that um, people out like there now understand that there's 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 great opportunities to, to be had in hospitality and, and it's a great career if you, if, if you work hard It
0: yeah. feels like you know, compared to other industries that I've worked in, you know, whether it's finance or travel or, or whatever, like it is the, one of the places that hard work truly pays off, yeah. you know? Um, whereas in so many of the other places I've been, it's been, oh, you've not served your time or, oh, your boss doesn't like the look of you or, yeah. you know, and, and those things can still happen maybe, but I I truly think it's just, you know, you're rewarded, you know. I was thinking about Yosushi sushi the other day, and one of the the women that were uh, she was the opening GM for Cambridge. I remember when we opened Cambridge Yosushi, Sushi, and she's now the UK MD. And it's not that long ago. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I love those
1: stories. Crazy. I love it. great. You know, it's about
0: seven or eight years. You know, it's like nothing. You know, you just like you can't believe it. Um, so I, I yeah, it just is is one of those ones, and I think you know, you you touched on it, you know, you, you've had incredible schooling, you know, Mitchell and, Mitchell and Butler, Geez, you know, that's an absolute masterclass of a place, and mm-hmm. you look at what they've spawned, and, and people like, you know, Jillian from Drake and Morgan, and Vanessa that went into Yo, and Karen at TGI Fridays, and, and you know, and, and the people that still work at Mitchell's and Butler as well, and then G1 as well's got a name for, you know, perfection, and you know, just innovation and, and think forward thinking and, you know, and and the portfolio and the, the breadth of portfolio that you had, if anyone knows, you know, the Glasgow area and, and other places around there. But, um yeah, I mean, I, I I think, you know, you going through that and then I guess the great news is as well, you worked with David McDowell there.
1: Since, since, right? Yeah, since I was 18. Dave actually convinced me to drop out of university, I think, so, my parents actually didn't speak to me for six months because um, uh, I decided to take a job as I think I got a twenty p an hour pay rise to be a supervisor um, and go full time and job job so I think that um, yeah, we, I felt like my parents who were desperate for me to be a doctor at the time. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah what <laughs> did
0: Dave. Um, so then, uh, from there, from from G one, what what was the next move? Then was that was well, happy I, I, or was it?
1: Yeah, so I I got to the point where. It sounds ridiculous, but I was like, I was 29, and I'd done all this great stuff in, in 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 Scotland, and I'd like done loads of openings and like hotel developments. I'd done like just a ton of stuff, and I thought, well, what's next for me? And I'd been there for 12 years. I, I don't want to be. I want I wanted to do amazing stuff in hospitality. And whilst G1 was a great company, I didn't feel like I had enough ambition, and I wanted to do international stuff. That was my main thing. I didn't want to just be in Scotland. I wanted to do stuff in London. Um, and at the time like seeing on Facebook and Instagram all the cool stuff that was happening I just wanted to get involved in other stuff so um, uh, I uh, joined Wasabi and I did so um, because they were they were open and aggressive in New York and it was high volume and then um, I think they were looking for like a really entrepreneurial background and having worked with Stefan and for an entrepreneur owner entrepreneur in the past uh, it uh, seemed, seemed to be right fit and I was there for a year I learned so much about rice it's unbelievable um <laughs> uh, and tasting rice when it's hot and cold and sushi and and i got I nailed my chopstick skills and so yeah and like i, I actually like probably learned more in that like 12 month period than i have at any other point in my career in terms of like volume and how busy some of their sites are and and logistically how to o- operate places like canary wharf and uh, i think that mm. um yeah it was a really eye-opener for me and um, it was great london experience it was great to deal with like the difference between like how the staff are in london and how the staff are in scotland and it was a great experience for me and, and in, in in reality i got to the point where i really missed the buzz of like nightlife of bars and restaurants and like kind of like the kind of the concept of being out visiting at like at, at dinner time and making sure everything was right, and um, also the kind of great opportunity to work for Dave again, who'd, who'd moved on, who moved on to BrewDog, and um, and like work with people like James, who just genuinely inspired me, and we're we're really reinventing how business should be run. And um, at the time, I think we had maybe like twenty-two locations when I joined, and then they just opened a tranche and then uh, in BrewDog, and I was really excited with the plans and. Um, yeah and opening in in far out places in the world and to be honest even when i joined i could never have dreamed of of where we got to in the end and having just come back from australia actually and just before this COVID crisis happened i just came back from a, a, a brewery and tap room in australia where a similar story to the one you mentioned earlier is that we had a we had an assistant manager in Newcastle. who was when I started four four and a half years ago. He was assistant manager in Newcastle, and now he's running an entire brewery and brewery operations, and taproom in a whole continent. Diego Calvin. So he's our manager there, um, head of Australia actually. And um, it, yeah, to see those amazing stories happen, one just the project and two where it takes people and and like how how we transport um, Scottish people around the world. I think I put someone on LinkedIn the other day saying we've been exporting beer and Scottish people for the last <laughs> for the last 10 yeah, years yeah. and if you go to certain places in Ohio we've got like some some really good great Scottish staff working in Ohio in our tap rooms and then our bars out there so um, I always love it when I see great success stories from within our business so yeah it's been fantastic and then you joined as what I joined as an um, operations director actually and I think um um the time Dave was MD and then um, uh, probably there was a right time in terms of size and scale of operations. So um, I looked after all the day-to-day operations, of the business. And in in reality, it was really tough because um, the business had grown so fast, even to like 23 pubs. It was like, there was no infrastructure. We were still doing rotors on spreadsheets and, um we were buying our meat from the butcher around the corner and like going and getting on the, by hat like by foot and there was loads of things that like probably as a as a as an operator coming into business you're like oh god there's, there's so much opportunity and also so much challenge here and um, but that's yeah. why i thrive at and, and i love i love doing that and organizing change in the business so we did loads of projects from um, getting the business on track at the same time as opening and ramping up openings and then um, Kind of, I think, yeah, we did acquisition of Draft House, um, which is like fifteen sites, busy sites as well in London. So we, we worked on loads of loads of cool stuff over the years, um, and I suppose over time, um, as the organisation grew, um, I was lucky enough and to be trusted by Dave and James just to get to get added more responsibility and um, uh, looking after all our marketing, and um, I get involved in some of the central marketing and the brewery stuff as well now and again, and when I can add value to that as well, which is great.
2: Hi, I'm Alex from Engage and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing and this week's comes from Shri, our head of SEO. Now you may be surprised to know that 46% of searches have some kind of local intent, meaning you can get an edge on the competition by capturing this traffic with focused, optimized landing pages. To get started, first think about key services your business offers and then copyright some high quality content for each of them. For example, for a bar, do you offer cocktail making classes or perhaps you have pool tables? If you're in Leeds, which is where we're based, these landing pages should then be optimised for searches such as cocktail making classes in Leeds and play pool in Leeds. You get the idea. Make sure you consider what information your customers want to see from these pages too. The pool page, for example, should answer how many tables do you have? What kind of table or style is it? How much does it cost and can you book online? Getting these pages created will allow you to dominate your local search results and increase your market share. If you need any more help getting your brand more visible online, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with their own digital marketing strategies. Cheers and enjoy the rest of the episode.
0: So what about the marketing then? How have you kind of ingratiated yourself to the world of crayons and bullshit? <laughs> well,
1: actually, I feel, like, I feel like I'm probably more of a marketeer myself. I find it, I wouldn't tell my team this openly, but I kind of find myself switching off when I talk about wage percentages and stock yields. <laughs> I get really excited when we talk about um, how do we change behaviours of either staff or customers. That's where I get really kind of like, excited about that and then um, I've always been And back going back to G1 a little bit it was a, we had 60 odd places and they all had individual brands individual menus and um, at the time it seemed great now it kind of gives me the fear because I can't imagine imagine managing that diff- that many different uh, recipes and uh, and pricing and all, all the things that come with that but it was really exciting because you, you would get to, every time you open a new business we created a new brand for that and I think that um, I really enjoyed the marketing angle of that and the creativity side of that. So probably, i um, probably it was always on the side of marketing anyway. Um, but yeah, I think uh, in, in terms of uh, in terms of Brewdog, we we didn't actually have a retail marketing function when I joined the business. And, um, the basic disciplines of having a retail calendar of when you launch things and when things are happening and silly things when National Chip Day is or when National IPA Day is, we didn't have any of that infrastructure. So. We said about build, building that with a really kind of junior um, green team, and um, they've done an amazing job, and um, uh, we're really proud of what they've achieved in that in business. So yeah.
0: And how do you approach it then? And you know, agencies and all that sort of stuff. How how does that all work?
1: Um, it depends, really. I think that um, we work with a couple of different agencies, and um, probably. Um, in the world of, Buddha, we we have a lot of creativity in house, um, so we tend not to go out for ideas, if that makes sense. Um, but we we, yeah. we we use agencies for deliverables in terms of graphics or um, PR agencies. Um, and some some of the great PR agencies have definitely worked on ideas in the past. But um, I think that quite a lot of the creative content and creative ideas comes from a team of people who really understand the culture of the business. And what you can and can't do from a marketing perspective, and 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 um, how you can be outrageous and um, sensible at the same time in terms of marketing concepts. So, um, the guys the guys do a really good job of generating content internally. So, um, but we certainly do use some some really good agencies, and we use Rebel and, and London for a couple of things. Um, who are mm-hmm. like a. Food and drink agency who helped us to do what business with us. Rebel Rebel agency. So they, they they're like a food right. drink agency. They helped us with um, early doors. They helped us with our food business and um, and and some of our recipes. So food was a big target for us when we when I started four and a half years ago. It was a big opportunity. So.
0: And then what about the rebrand stuff on the yeah. the cans and all that? You know, I'm especially enjoying your Freddy Krueger stroke Kurt Cobain Elvis just can. Yeah, oh,
1: it's very crazy,
0: if Quite you actually, look,
1: if you actually look on Twitter, one of our um, big uh, uh, fans uh, uh, and our equity punks actually did a really cool thing last night, um, where they matched a, the beer style to a Queen's outfit. So every single one of our headliner beers, has it's like, it's next level genius, and it's like, it's almost like we 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 branded it around the Queen's outfit. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It must
0: have taken ages as well to to yeah. get all the pictures. But no, I saw it last night, and you're just like, that's the type of viral content that will just run and run, you know. <laughs> see that stuff yeah. and people will photoshop it even more and you know dick about with it but i, yeah, I so thought then, it was great
1: obviously like it's, it's a really hard thing to do when you're when when you, you're such a, a loved brand and um we always learned from the last time we rebranded that um the minute you announce it everyone hates it and they immediately balk against it um but it, over time they realise and i think that um, from our perspective we wanted to be a bit cleaner a bit more approachable um, and kind of stand out against um, what we saw as quite a complex and messy um, beer shelf um, in the supermarkets, especially in the craft beer, beer line. And we wanted to speak to customers directly about what we stood for. Um, and I, th- I really believe that the, um, uh, the brand did that. And having been on that journey personally um, from like when we first saw it in like September last year, the first iterations, even internally the first time you see it you're like you take a big gulp and you go wow that's a big step change and like how do I like this and what's the impact on this and we change the shape of our our marks or our logo changed slightly and um, there's a big debate on how big that should be (laughs) for about four months and whether it should go completely so I think that um, uh, it was like I suppose by the time it launched and and we got the initial reaction of, of a noisy few and let's always be the noisy few are the ones that get heard of, of potentially not liking it um uh, uh kind of we, we were ready for that and we'd already gone through that journey ourselves in terms of like learning learning to to understand it and how it plays out in our bars and how it plays out on our menus and and, and even things like how it plays out in merch and um, what, what happens to signage and all those things that you see when you see that stuff. So, um, but I think that um, we love it. Um, it's really too early to see what the impact is, but what I can certainly tell is that when I walk into a te- my local Tesco in Finsbury Park, it, for me, there's no doubt about it that, that that packaging stands out a hundred times better than it did before. Um, and I think you can really clearly see that you're getting you're getting a brew dog in the can a brew dog in the box because we, we we got rid of all our plastic packaging and now we, we put it in a cardboard box um which is really important to us. Um but we really need to make sure that the customers understand that we are inside that box and it's a can. So I think that it really does stand out and you're really pleased with it. So it's 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 a
0: it's a flipping nightmare. You know, we you know, over the years done it for You know, quite a few different beer companies and companies in general, but it's just this eternal quest for back bar standout, on shelf uniformity, yet not looking like anyone else, yet not being a chain in inverted commas, you know, a big corporate, losing your soul. So, my God, it's an absolute surgical, you know, open heart surgery procedure. Um, it's really difficult but you know if you unpack it and if you get a bit market wanky and brand wanky you know it's all there you know and, yeah. I, and I, I really like the the fiercely independent and defiant I mean I think defiance yeah. is just one of the <laughs> strongest word in the world ever yeah. Um and you've kept the shield you know so if you actually pulled it apart like a you know like a car yeah. engine you'd go well, i can i can sort of see how it's you got there it's definitely an you know? evolution
1: right it's like definitely taking it forward and we yeah. see more modern and definitely more approachable and i think that that's what we're here and like our mission in Brewdog is to make as many people as possible the passionate about craft beer we're not just yeah. there to serve the craft beer community we want people to understand the different flavor profiles that you would get from drinking one of our beers versus one of the mainstream beers and, and why we think that's beneficial and why we think that we um, we should buy a beer versus some big multinational corporation. So I think that um, the packaging for us ha- ha- had to serve that purpose, and I think it does.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And um, I'm really excited about Triple Hazy. I saw that Yeah, last Triple night. Hazy
1: is really good, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> you got to like, be s- excited and slightly scared, right, because one can, you might. Yeah, <laughs> one can, going you might. Yeah. Like, yeah, you Hazy can be Jane, yeah. I don't know if you drive off one hazy Jane depends but a regular one, but um, but yeah, so triple hazy Jane Probably is Yeah, Yeah, community is very excited about it and then um, yeah, you, you need to be careful uh, after you've had one.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's one in bed, maybe. Um and then yeah, a couple of other things I was just thinking about uh, was sort of proudest stuff, and if you look back across BrewDog, Dog, you know, what what is the the proudest thing that you've done?
1: Oh um, I think that, yeah, I think for me, it's definitely around how we've treated our team and how we've we've shown people that you can treat your team really well. Whether it be our ten percent profit share for our staff was like for me, like I'd never dreamed of a business where I'd be giving ten percent profit share to one of my bartenders in, in the bar. It's like it blew my mind to be honest. Like definitely up there. I think that like um, when I joined the business, I heard all this chat about quality, and and I I probably didn't quite believe it. I thought it was all kind of bullshit. But in reality, our commitment to quality is like unwavering. If a beer is shit, we don't serve it. Um, and we literally, even beer we've paid for from other suppliers, if it's not right, we don't serve it. I think that commitment to quality is definitely what, what makes me proud of working with BrewDog in general. In terms of projects, um, I think um, probably some of our bigger projects, like um, from a room in Ohio that we opened um, two and a half years ago now, um, it's like it's such an incredible place to be. It's like a huge restaurant and um, bar, hotel. It's like it's like a mega project. Tower Hill was like a big step change for us. I, I signed Tower Hill. Um, we'd never done something that big in London, so it's like eight thousand square feet of customer space right in central London. It was a big step change for us in terms of what we'd normally do. It was properly on pitch. Um, there was a big debate internally whether we did it or not. Whether we tried to half the space, and um, but in reality, that paid off. Like you've been to the site; it's like such a mega location for us. It works really well. Um, so I just came back from Australia, and like I'm most proud of things like um, me and Dave haven't. Uh, Dave hasn't been to Australia, but I hadn't been to Australia, and we'd been open for three months. So I talked earlier about how we we're like masses of Zoom. Like a lot of our like a lot of our projects are done with really great people in our organization. Um, where we trust them, where we communicate with them on a regular basis, where we do viewings by video, um, we do design work by email, um, and we manage to achieve things that are just incredible. And having, going to Brisbane and just kind of stepping back and seeing everyone's individual input into that place without any of us actually stepping foot there. Um, uh, we had to, obviously people from BrewDog there, but Dave and I hadn't been there. And But the, from the bar perspective, seeing it was just absolutely incredible in, in real life and, and on the river, which is great. Um, so yeah, we, we do some mega stuff and I'm, I'm super proud of it.
0: Is there anywhere you want to open that you haven't yet?
1: Oh, um, New York. I think that um, when I was at Wasabi, yeah. I, I managed to be part of the openings of, of sushi bars there. And I always thought, you know, I'd really love to open a bar there and hopefully it's on the cards in the next few years. But um, I think that... Uh, there'll be a few fights to make sure whoever gets to go and open that one um, from our internal team, but uh, my name's first on the list. So um, we're not opening the bar in New York without you being there. So for me, those kind of mega cities. And um, we're actually opening Shanghai this year. That's probably on my list as well. So um, throughout this crisis, we've been um, had an empty location that we're paying rent on in Shanghai, which is super frustrating for us. Um, but we're, yeah. China's getting back to business now. So hopefully we'll, you'll see Shanghai open um, before the end of the year. I um, mean, that's in a great location in Shanghai. And I think um, yeah we're really excited about getting into those markets. And for me, um, seeing uh, new cultures adapt to BrewDog, both from a staff perspective and from a consumer perspective, is, is the most exciting stuff. So, so, yeah, that kind of stuff is great.
0: And then you're doing a lot of partnerships or, you know, some with, with, with BrewDog. So um, you've had Honest Burger stuff, I think. You've had... Um, biffs you've had a bit we so what's going on with with all the sort of partnerships and you know how, how do you find the right partners
1: well i suppose if you, it's probably it's a craft beer community thing you know like the, the concept of collaborating and doing exciting stuff with beer is like is ingrained in, in the craft beer community and that just like that filters into the rest of our, the rest of our company and i'm really proud to work with great other great operators and Um, I think it all comes back to a lot of people say to me, oh, so-and-so must be your biggest competitor. Cloudwater must be your biggest competitor. I'm like, absolutely not. They're like our biggest champion. And we sell loads of their beer and like they work with us on stuff. And um, so we just kind of translate that into food really. And then I suppose Reds, like I was just like when I worked in Scotland and um, I was like researching for new concepts for G1, Reds were always the thing. I was like, Reds are just so cool right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that the guys that of that business, uh, James Scott, they're just just on it and um, what they, they achieved in, um, in terms of their sites in Leeds and Manchester were great. Um, so uh, we had locations where um, we wanted to work with people and um, Reds was one of those in Leicester. So Reds went, ran our kitchen in Leicester for just over a year and a half now and it just works really well for us. Um, they nail it and we they've got a great following in that in that community. Um, in terms of like the vegan stuff, I think that it's probably, we probably it was a different journey. Um, uh, we kind of, I kind of saw an opportunity to really dive deep into vegan food and I, I just saw it as a future probably about two years ago and we made a decision to make sure our menu was always 50% um, vegan um, and um, uh, 50% uh, vegetarian vegan and 50% meat because we knew that that was direction of travel and um probably in the old days and back in G1 days when I, I ran the Hillhead Book Club, we created this concept and then um, we had it was the first place that we knew of in Scotland that had a a separate vegetarian and vegan menu. And we called it not just another wild mushroom risotto because um, that was the vegetarian vegan option in in every every restaurant that we knew of. Um, and um, yeah, so we kind of really went deep into that. And I think that through through that process and us trying to do that well ourselves and innovate in that market, whether it be making our own seitan, from scratch and all of our bars around the world then that's that's not something that you do very easily that you start to go well actually we'd love to work with great partners in this and like take the craft beer culture and work with people and create other 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 people who really care about the product and um with biffs and um, we just loved what they did and we approached them and and they said yes so we that was great for us and then um, it works really well in our Dawson bar For temple Satan. um we had got to this point now where um, we were just selling so much um, vegan food and doing so many cool vegan specials that um, we really wanted to kind of um, go into January this year with like something or well, a suite of activity that was really great. And then I was actually on the in bank, I think. And I saw like an advert for HSBC who were like, um, who were like, who said that they'd, they'd funded Temple Satan. I was like, Oh God, yeah, I've queued outside that shop. I wonder if they'd supply us. And, um, I got into our head of food and chat and said, "Listen, we should we should see if they'll supply us." And then it turns out we managed to get a twelve month um, exclusive deal for them to supply all of our bars um, with Temple Satan. And then our customers love it. And um, we did like great activation around just letting everyone know it was in in store. They've got a huge following on, on Instagram. And um, they helped us do that. And we, we've done we've done some really good work with those guys. And um, it became like our fourth selling, top selling item. Um, uh, and they also supply. Um, instead of us making our own seitan anymore mediumly okay and and inconsistently they supply our seitan for our seitan burger as well so um, it works out really well Um, and when you work with small companies like this sometimes you have to give a little bit on payment terms and we end up having to to pay in advance because they need equipment to supply us and we're willing to do that because we understand it and we're we're up for a long-term long-term commitment and long-term relationship with these companies and um, we certainly see the benefit of association um, with these great brands so um yeah, we've got we've got some cool stuff happening actually with, with vegan food that we do uh, not actually announced yet it was cancelled because um the, the whole coronavirus thing. But we actually partnered with um Bosch i V. I don't know if you've heard of Bosch T V but I do,
0: yeah, um, I know them, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I actually went to school with <laughs> with the guys. Um and uh, I went to a wedding last summer and um so i said, oh, you know, Henry and Ian are doing all right, aren't they? I was like, Oh what they're doing, oh, they're they big on Instagram and then I looked them up and I was like, oh wow, um they're doing yeah. really well. So we got chatting and then um, uh, We've commissioned them to work on our vegan specials for the rest of the year. So we're working with those guys on, on 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 working vegan specials. They're going to do some collaborative videos. They're going to come in store and cook some of the stuff. And so yeah, we're working. We're we're over, uh, over investing in in our vegan our vegan offering, and we really want to be seen as like the go-to place on the high street for vegan food. And then it's so far it's working really well for us. Our, our food sales are up. In January they're up like 40% and um, so we like it's like food sales are, are, are massive for us and um, then when I first joined the business and um, uh, we we had a, a small team of one looking after our food business and then um, we see he's still here today actually and then um, we always laughed at and on his first weekly report with me the, the weekly food sales were were like 25,000 pounds and now they're now they're up 600,000 pounds a week so we've gone from like a one point two five million food business to a £30 million a year food business in the space of four years and um, a lot of that has to be around uh, I suppose dedicated to, attributed to um, investment in innovation in food, investment in quality um, but over and above that just like our commitment over the last two or three years just to really, really do amazing vegan food and, and it's worked out really well for us
2: From
0: Supersonic Inc, this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast Today's podcast is also brought to you by Forth. Forth is the leading hospitality workforce, inventory and analytics provider. Forth effectively manages your employees journey using its integrated workforce management system. Forth also improves your organisational efficiency by streamlining and managing all of your purchasing and inventory. And fourth Analytics gives you instant insight to make better business decisions all from your phone, tablet, or your computer. Transform your hospitality business today. Go to Forth.com now. Well, I'm just thinking about time as well. I need to let you go and get on with your other stuff. Um, I was just wanting to uh, say about Tip Jar, you know, was there any things you wanted to sort of add in about that? So, you know... Just for anyone that doesn't know what Tip Jar is, and you know the benefits and who's using it and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I suppose I suppose the story behind Tip Jar is that I saw a massive pain in my own organisation in terms of Brewdog, and um, probably throughout my entire career, from the chip shop to today, in Brewdog tips are brought up every week in my business. Whether it be when my tips get paid or um, tips have gone down or they've gone up, it's always a discussion point um, in every organisation in hospitality, and I think that um, it's for my organization we had kind of i suppose, two pain points one and we turned six of our bars cashless um in in london and we're probably after this whole crisis going to turn a lot more cashless because it works really well for us operationally um and the one downside to, to turning cashless was that our staff got less tips um and mm-hmm. um uh, at the same time as an organization it's actually really hard to deal with tips and the whole legislation around trunk and um and like and how you manage tips and, and how transparent you are with your staff with your staff and, and how that's organized and um, i just really believe that if you can get a car to drive down the street itself like somebody can create some technology um to fix the the tipping culture and the the, the tipping issues in our industry uh, both from a business side and from an employer employee side and when you add those both together i think you get greater transparency around tips and tip sharing and i think that's really important to the customer nowadays i think that transparency in what we do whether it be the ingredients that go on the plate and how we pay our staff to where the, the beers come from and the number of um air miles and carbon footprint of our produce um, I think it's really important that, that that we we wear that on our sleeve and I think that more and more so transparency around tipping and tipping culture in our, in our, in our, in our industry in the UK is going to become more and more important um and we we're aware that the legislation around trunk is going to change um in the short and certainly in the next few years anyway so we we just we're poised to to help organizations and we're working with Honest Burgers to do this um and i've been amazed at their culture and and when we've worked with their business and 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 how well they've adapted to technology and how well they've taken uh, tip jar on board and um yeah, it has been fantastic so um we're we're really excited for that business um we've got some great people running it um I think I told you before actually alex Moore, the founder of Rose's investor was my seed investor in the idea um like almost a year and a half ago now and um we were lucky enough to to raise raise some money just before this uh, coronavirus crisis so we're we're ready and poised to to help organizations um reward their staff better um and also take take a massive um either cost or business administration pain away from away from their organization and and um uh, yeah hopefully um, it all works out with the staff earning a bit more money um, and helping them retain their best and hire the best people. And that's what we exist to do.
0: I think um, it's one of those things where you just go, surely this should have been already, you know, like why? You know, it's like, and then when someone says about it, you're like, of course, you know, that's that's an obvious sort of thing, but you can't believe that it wasn't there. It was almost like... um, I was watching an Oasis documentary the other night and um, I think Noel came through to play something to Bonehead and, and he went, you never wrote that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do do You know? Yeah. And, it, and it's just one of those ones that you go, God, why did... But, you know, thankfully you've done it. And I think it would encourage the right type of people to, to tip more. I think I always feel bad when I don't. And, you know, and, and if you don't have money or this or that, the other one is like I think we deliveroo. I think they've got it wrong in that you you forget to tip the driver up front, and then once you've you post on, yeah. I don't you you know Uber does it better that it's after the journey, um and and I would be you know not guilty into, but it would remind me, it'd give me a nudge to to do it, you know so. You know, if you can, if you can sort that one
1: out. That would and be a we actually, we actually, we are emailed with the, the, the top guys from delivery the last couple of days, so um, they're interested in, in us helping helping them um, during the delivery crisis, but also ongoing. So there's a potential partnership coming there as well. So loads of exciting stuff happening in Tip Jar and we've got a great team with Alex, and we've appointed a CEO. We've got an incredible CTO who's built financial services level um, bank system behind it. And I suppose the exciting thing that probably people don't know is that um tipping is the first is like the, the tip of the iceberg for us no pun intended actually um uh, okay. we and I, um we're, we're going to be building um, and offering financial services from a tip jar debit card where you can spend your tips immediately um to current accounts there's so many options out there to with open banking now that we can we can be the the bank for hospitality workers and we're really working the team are really working hard on 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 starting to launch some of that stuff and um whether it be contactless tap tap to tip boxes in the bars um, or whether it be a QR powered um, tip solution for restaurants where we're working really hard. And and we're like, again, we're we're kind of system agnostic. So we we want to just help anybody um, fix that solution. So we're working with scheduling systems. We're working with tilt companies, working with credit card payment companies um, to try and help get rid of that hassle. And and we've become taking the money was the easy part, actually, in, in the journey of setting up this business. Um, mm-hmm. With the whole QR scan and payment via Apple Pay was the easy part. It's the distribution of money that that because that we've realised is our unique selling point. Our ability to transparently and openly distribute money between between staff is is almost the way that power is. So um, we can take money from payment apps, and I think what we'll see in the next kind of like two or three years, especially with this whole coronavirus thing, is that less and less people, more and more people, probably will want to use technology to order food in the restaurant. You're seeing it already. Um, and i think that um it that that adds another level of challenge when you come to rewarding your staff and tip and compensation for staff um and so we're working with like a number of companies who are who are doing um order to table technology already and they're like well what do we do with the tip and, and we, we can help them do that so there's loads of cool stuff coming and i think then um, we're just there to make this world better for the world of tips so i think that hopefully we can do that
0: jesus so you're going imagine that being the Ended up being the bank for hospitality workers.
1: hmm What?
0: thought that is.
1: Yeah. I mean, That's
0: like Monzo-type stuff, in it?
1: Well, yeah, actually, the, the interesting thing is that Monzo are the people that are potentially one of our partners to help us do that. So, um wow. yeah, effectively, uh, there's a number of uh, technology, technology banks from like Monzo, Revolut, who we're talking to at the minute, um, who offer white-label solutions for, for organizations to want to create a bank for their industry their community um, yeah we we're able to do that and, and tie it in with the ability to spend tips and and also um yeah um, spend tips immediately but also pay their wages in and, and and whatever that might work so that's our current plan and we'll see where we get to
0: take that robot potato peeler
1: <laughs> yeah i know yeah yeah we'll see where we get to we'll see we get to it's it's, it's uh, bold ambitions but we, we might get somewhere there i hope so
0: <laughs> right, um, so quick fire, last couple of things then. So okay. we do a have called Mark Out of Ten. It goes like this. So best city to eat in. Edinburgh. Yes, well done. Everyone says London.
1: <laughs> I, hadn't, okay. I, hadn't, yeah. I, I was between Edinburgh and London, to be honest. So yeah.
0: Okay. And then why why is that?
1: I just think they've got loads of like really cool uh, independent I think the festival helps Edinburgh be a unique location. Because they have such a such an incredible influx of people that uh, and tourism that they can do things that potentially other cities can't do. Um but yeah, there's there's a there's a ton of great restaurants um and uh and cool little like um especially around the festival, like cool foods pop ups and yeah, I think there's a real lot of innovation there, but I suppose between Edinburgh and London for me.
0: Um Best Restaurant.
1: Best restaurant, um dish It's just brilliant. Yeah. Even the kind of like the incense in the toilets, and that's uh, just genius, I think it's great.
0: I mean, yeah, and the employee stuff they're doing at the moment, amazing, uh, yeah. they've put it linked in, it's just beautiful. Um, yeah. best dish, you know, anywhere doesn't have to be the shum, but you know, when we all get let out back into the wild, what's the best dish?
1: Um, probably, uh. Uh, Finsu Park. There's a noodle shop called um, Salvation and Noodles. There's like a small independent, small independent chain. So I think they've got three or four places. And then yeah, I go for the foca
0: Nice. So. And then best drink. What's your go-to? And then you you're allowed a brew dog one and a non brew dog one.
1: Okay, cool. Well, brew dog is Jet Black Heart. Um yes. So a great beer. Um, I'm a big Guinness fan, and i drunk Guinness for probably most of my life. And when I tasted Jet Black Heart, I was like, God. What was it? What was this drink on my lifestyle? So when I can get a my heart in a pub, when I'm off, I'll take it. If not, I'll have a I'll have a Guinness, uh, and um, probably a Negroni is my my go to drink.
0: Very good. Well, listen, I better go and check the We one hasn't set the world on fire, um, good stuff. and also I better let you get back to running the world and, and doing great things yeah. for the front line, and just it's been a real great pleasure and joy to catch up with you and um, you know we're, we're filling our days with, with different things and yeah just being able to have a good old natter with a pal about brands that I love is a real joy so thank you so much great thanks
1: for having me um,
0: Appreciate it. no worries and I just wish you well stay well and yeah we'll get that jet black heart very very soon agreed <laughs> So there you have it, a real insight into the world and career of James Brown, of BrewDog and Tip Jar. It's amazing to get an insight into what it's like to work on both businesses. Thanks to JB for being on the podcast. I really appreciate the time you've taken to chat things through with me today. Thanks to you for listening. Please share with one friend or colleague and please do like, subscribe, share, rate and review if you can. Thanks to our headline sponsors, Engage. Visit engageinteractive.co.uk for all of your digital and social media needs. Thanks also to our premium partner, BDO. Visit bdo.co.uk for all of your business financial questions and queries. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby, as usual, for putting together the podcast. It's really, really appreciated. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. I hope that you got as much from this episode as I did and I really hope that this has given you enough value and inspiration to make your brand boom.